If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside TJ Rosine. We are broadcasting here in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, we are continuing our four-part series about coaching traps. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about avoiding coaches creating disengaged players. If you missed the first two, we talked about controlling coaches and how they create compliant players and, and some issues involved in that. We also talked about critical coaches and how they create insecure players and some dynamics and traps you need to avoid in that regard. But today, TJ, avoiding coaches create disengaged players. Did you read the article? Did you read this whole article? And on yeah on, on this the theme traps, yes yeah. I did yeah yeah because podcast this, actually the podcast so this one's interesting to me um, avoiding coaches create disengaged players I think it's true I was just wondering about the why behind it you know what I mean like so why wh- wh- how do you, how does it correlate avoiding coaches create disengaged players yeah because listen if I'm all in right if 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 I care about this team as a player just yep. use me as a player for example if I care about this team and and I think and live and breathe it as a player and I'm consumed with our performance and I see you as a coach avoiding things Mm-hmm. All right. When we say avoiding, avoiding tough conversations, avoiding uh, not addressing that player who's bringing us down, av- uh, avoiding the confrontational potential uh, sequence of events that could be around uh, this issue over here. If I see you avoiding it and not taking the responsibility, yeah. all of a sudden it's going to start kind of penetrating in me that – I don't feel like you're as engaged in this as as you should be. Yeah. And now I'm slowly going to become disengaged in it. Yeah, so avoiding coaches um, lack respect from players that leads to disengaged players. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, so there's almost like a step in between. You, you first, like, your respect for that coach kind of falls a little bit, you know? This is this is an interesting one. So I'm going to take this down a, a slightly different trail for one second and let me know what your thoughts are on this, okay? Yeah. I don't really think this is my problem. I don't really avoid like I don't sweep anything under the rug. Like okay. if there's a problem, we just hit it head yep. head on like right away. So this is probably the least of 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 mine. But if it ever does rear its head in in mine, it's in this way right here. Soft heart for young men to grow up and find their way and I've got some hard players, you know what I mean? Some players that have been down some different scenarios, and, and, and I've loved them through some tough times. And there's always this time on, like, you know, should I give up on this player and move on because it's detrimental to the team, right? Or do I stick with him because I love him this much? That's always a hard decision for every coach, right, to make that decision. But there are times when I think I've, uh, I've allowed a guy that I'm, I have a heart for, you know, to work through some things that I think players will look and be like, dang, Maybe he's getting soft. Maybe he's getting a little bit older. Yeah, you didn't let that happen before, you know? And I think that's a place. Now, probably a good thing about me is I'm quick to catch that. Like, I see that, like, okay, they're looking at me sideways. Like, why are you letting so-and-so get away with it? That's not what you do. 
So then I do explain it to some degree. I had one of these talks recently, a couple of weeks ago with my team. You know, when I, when, I, when, I, when I said to them, I brought the whole team in there. I don't know if this was right or wrong, but I think coaches like to know kind of like how people handle their teams, right? So I would put the whole team in there, and I said, this young man, we'll just call him X for right now because, you know, he could get personal. But I said, X right here, I said, listen, most of you know I've been with him for four years. All the crap he's been through, nobody's batted harder for him. No one's stepped up to the plate. No one's gone, you know. And I want you all to know how hard this decision weighs on me because right now I'm in the moment of in his senior year thinking about letting him go from the team because you guys are tired and worn out. And I know you've looked at me before and you've wondered why does coach let him get away with that? Why does coach, you know, because – because I've also seen the growth and progress in him. You know what I mean? And so every time I see one of these fall backwards, I see these two steps forward, you know? And, and so I, and, and I know that I, I want to be with him. I want to see him through this. But for players, it's like, well, if I did that, I'd be, you know, I'd be in a lot of trouble. And so I think it's a, it's a tough thing for a coach to navigate. Like, you love somebody. You care about them. You want to see players succeed. But you have a team to serve here, you know? And this is where if a player, if you do too much of this, you avoid this and you don't get onto them, you know then all these other players that are working their tail off feel like disengaged. And so mm-hmm. I, one of the first things I said to those players, I said, first of all, for all of you that bust your tail and don't get as much clock as this guy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry because you don't get thanks and praise enough for just doing the right thing. What you see me doing is dealing with this guy and trying to teach lessons, but you're not getting you know, that level of thanks that you deserve. But it, it, this is where it showed its head in my program, you know, in coaching my, my team, is that if you – like even if you choose to go a different route, and I, and I think that conversation went – I got text message after text message after text message that night. Coach, thank you for addressing that. I had no idea it weighed on you mm-hmm. like it did. I had no idea. And I told my team, I said, you know, if I kick them off right now, Maybe it's the best thing for him. There's a story where his life changed in the senior season with a few games left to go. Maybe it's changed. Or the other story is he couldn't make it to the finish line, so he gave up on himself. You know, I don't know what narrative he'll tell. So I'm struggling to make the right decision. But when I explained to them the heaviness of it, I mean, almost every player texted me, Coach, thank you. I had no idea. Coach, I was I was actually getting upset with you because I didn't know why you weren't stepping up the plate on this because you always do you know and so if if you're not going to if you're not going to hit it on the head if you're not going to go straight after if you're not going to swallow the frog right then your players got to know why mm-hmm. but if you don't swallow the frog and they don't know why you're in a heap of trouble yeah because they're going to think you don't care right yeah. they're, they're going to think you're not ready or in the position to, uh, to handle the responsibility. Uh, of what's in front of you and I'll always love your stories TJ but you know this topic avoiding coaches creating disengaged players you know it's interesting they always say the most engaged this is a workplace quote okay they always say the most engaged employee is found in the first 60 days of their employment right because that's when they're they're all in right and and what happens after the 60 days is avoiding from upper management plays in so the first 60 days the, the employees all engaged and everything's going good and they're 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 expressing concerns up the ladder right they're expressing things and sharing things that you know I, I think we should do this and, and we should do this and and all this engagements happening but what begins to then happen is 
that upper management avoids that request and never addresses that employee over here, even though you've brought something to their attention and, and they never follow through over here. Okay. And avoided that situation. Now all of a sudden that en- engaged employee TJ is now saying, man, I don't even care. Nothing gets done around here. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, yeah, it, it's dysfunctional. Yep, it, it is. Well, it's going to stay that way because every time you bring something up to, to, you know, boss man, he doesn't say anything or do anything about it. Yeah. Screw it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going all in if he's not going all in. And, and this is the trap from coaching. When you get into that mindset where you're not addressing things, you're not hitting things head on, like you said, you're not talking to that player that's that the rest of the team's frustrated with. And when you're avoiding the big things as a coach, you will create disengaged players. They will not be all in because they feel like you don't have their back and you're not all in it, in it as well, right? And this is a tough thing for coaches because I think coaches get into coaching because they, they love the aspects of competing they love being around the players nobody gets into it because i want to be filled with tough conversation all season long yeah. right like nobody wants to cut players no one wants to address the trouble you know uh, the bad apple on the team no one wants to have these tough conversations it is a lot easier just kind of sweep it under the rug and just keep trekking forward and just keep focusing on the next thing but when you do that you run the risk of communicating to your players that you're not all in Okay, Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of aspects that you're just going to just kind of sweep off to the side and your players may be taking notice and you may not like the players you're creating as a result. Yeah, I got a question for you. But before I ask this question, and because I want to know, I want to know what you do if you are in this situation. But before I ask that question, let's take the halftime and get the communication tip from our friends at Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. The biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. So often we feel we've communicated our message and our job is done. But the job truly isn't done until the receiver receives the message. See, the communication process is simple as this. You have a sender and a receiver, but the receiver is not a receiver until they've received it. So let's not assume this week as we're in our communication with coaches and players that when we say something that the job is done. It's only done when the receiver has received the message in the way you intended it to be received. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe, helping bring parents, players, and coaches all together in an organized manner, communicating all season long. It will change your program. That's teamsnap.com backslash hustle. Let's continue with the episode. All right, Adam. So this isn't necessarily my problem. Like I don't, I don't mind having the hard conversations, right? But what about, you know, I've all, I've seen those coaches. I've been around those coaches and some of the, oftentimes to be honest with you, some of the best hearted people I've ever met. The reason they avoid it is because they care about people. They don't like to get into those situations. And I just doing a coaching search for my assistant coach, right? And um, it's, it's been crazy, you know, over 500 applications. I didn't know how to sift through them, but I came up with an idea. And basically what I did is I got it down to about 100, and I sent them all a test. Mm. I sent them a test. And one of the things I talked about was tell me what your your weaknesses are, right? And be real transparent. There's about three or four of those candidates that I really like. 
But they stated their weakness as this. They didn't like confrontation. They had to overcome it. They had to learn to do that, right? And so I'm really still interested in those candidates. And everything else about them I really liked. But what if I was to hire that person? How would I help them? How would I teach them to overcome the fear of stepping into those confrontations? You think they just watch me and learn? Do you think, be, or is that one of those things where it's like, gosh, this is really not who they are, and you have to help them develop that skill? I think it's a combination of two things, TJ. To be honest with you, I think one is I always lean towards the slow ramp approach. Okay, you've got a coach coming in. He he or she doesn't like confrontation, struggles with these tough conversations. You, you give them a slow ramp to get into it, right? You don't have them deal with the thing that has kept you up all night for two nights in a row, right? That big issue that you can't get out of your mind and you've been wrestling despite your 15, however many years of experience. It's hard for you. You don't give that, pl- that player that responsibility, right? But maybe a small thing here and there. You say, hey, could you, would you mind handling that? And you slowly ramp them into a place of comfort having these conversations. You coach them up, right? You you evaluate, like the military says, you evaluate, teach, improve. So you give them smaller opportunities. After that, you evaluate, how did it go? You know, what the players say? What, how'd, you, how'd you lead into it? Okay, okay, yeah, it's good. Maybe do some teaching, boom. Next is for them to improve. Evaluate, teach, improve. Then they get on to the next one, and maybe it's a little bit bigger of a responsibility the second go around, okay? That's the one way. The second way is just simply teaching them, right? Kind of coaching them up and and helping them figure out the best way to have those conversations, you know? And, you know, I remember back when I was going through, uh, when I was in college, I was managing a restaurant and they flew me out to Dallas for a corporate management training. And they gave me a little tip, right, to handle some of these tough conversations. And this was them coaching us on how to have tough conversations with employees, whether it came time to fire them or uh, document them for behavioral stuff. And, and I love this little phrase. They just said, lean on the word concern. Lean on the word concerned. I've seen some behavior in you that has me concerned, Right, a soft way, and I end up. I, I never forget the next year. I, I probably used concern at nauseum, right? Because every single conversation I had, I leaned to that, right? But it was them kind of coaching me up and saying, "Hey, hey, Mike, you know, I've noticed these last couple of days you've been coming in a little bit late, and you know, I'm. It's not the biggest of deals, but I will say you have me concerned, right? Because uh, this is happening. Like, it's concerning me for one, why is it happening, and two, what is going to become from this you know is there something more that's going to happen or is it going to turn into something else and and that was them just coaching it so for me tj two things slow ramping it for your coaches letting them take the smaller instances where they can handle some of these mm-hmm. tougher issues like i said not the one that has kept you up three nights in a row that's a big one right, that needs right. your experience but some of the smaller ones evaluate teach improve through those and then the other side is just doing some of your best coaching having them sharing what you did with x player how you handled it and kind of guiding them and mentoring you know so much of coaching especially on the coaching staff you're serving as a mentor and you've got to do your best mentoring work and this is one of the tough things and if you identify that it's a weakness for your coach for one of your other coaches that's a leadership opportunity for you yeah that you hopefully get to step up on tell me if you agree or or disagree but like i I, if you really want to be a good coach i kind of feel like it's a non-negotiable like, don't you have to hit these things out there? I mean, like, when you think about Nick Saban 
Tom Izzo, Mike Shashevsky, Gino Ariema. Like I'm just naming these people off, right? I can't really think of one that would probably be an avoidance type leader. Can you? Not at all. And if you watch any of the Hard Knocks, do you ever watch any of the Hard Knocks series on HBO? Yeah. yeah. These coaches at that level, man, they've got this down pat. Like you could not be at that level and have. A, a personality uh, deficiency of avoiding tough conversations. You know, on cut day in the NFL training right, camps, yeah. like they're coming in left and right. Yeah. Like you're having to have this conversation on a daily basis. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, like you don't step into a leadership position, right, hoping for the easy path. Right. If you want the easy path, if you want things to be easy, don't step into the leadership position of being a coach. Yeah. Right. Because you have now stepped into the fire when you wanted the easy path of resistance. So it's part of what you signed up yeah. for. And if that's not your personality and I don't fault those people on the application to communicate that because you just simply either. ask yeah. them their weakness and right. they can be weak at it. But but you can't go into that position and say, I, I don't I don't feel comfortable doing it. Or I don't want to do it. I or, thought it was actually a strength that they were at. They would list that, that they would be, you know. But I think at the end of the day, I, um, one final like parting thought that I've got for you here is when the, that type of that type of coach and the, that that uh, chooses uh, to avoid. I've got one thing that you might want to think about. I think it's really what they're avoiding is confrontation. But I think that word is so bad. Confrontation. Look at it as a teachable moment, not as. Uh, a confrontation so I think if, it might help you when you're looking at it it's it, it, look at it this way I'm going to go into this and I'm going to have this conversation because I want to help this person not because I am confrontation and somebody's going to win or lose mm-hmm. great point great point listen uh, the third trap avoiding coaches create disengaged players and we certainly don't want our players to be disengaged in fact we want the complete opposite we want them to be engaged and all in and how we address and and how we focus on the things of concern within our team and within our players makes a huge difference listen make sure you continue with us as we jump into part four during the next episode um, as we talk about coaching traps if you missed the first two you'll certainly want to go back and check those out i, I am adam He is TJ. Together we are the Hardwood Hustle. Till next time, we're out.